Hey, welcome everybody to uh, Sunday, Sunday night live here on the west coast of the United States of America. Thanks everybody for uh, joining in on both the app and on YouTube. I'm looking forward to taking your questions here uh, in just a little bit. So we're going to be in Daniel chapter 2 tonight, actually just the beginning of Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2 is absolutely loaded. So I called this part one of Daniel chapter two. The title is, This is What the End Looks Like. And we're going to start to get a glimpse of what it looks like according to Nebuchadnezzar's dream and then the interpretation that Daniel gives. And we'll start to get that glimpse here in just a few minutes. But before we uh, uh, go there, um, let's just check out a few other things. Because I think what's going on in the world right now kind of helps us to get a glimpse of what the end looks like. That's going to fit well with the descriptions that Daniel's going to give to Nebuchadnezzar throughout the entire book of Daniel. Um, but maybe not all of it, but this part certainly does. Look at this. Robbie Starbuck posted this to his Instagram with somebody else. I think her name was Julie uh, on her Instagram. said, probably the most important story happening right now has gotten virtually no attention, so let's give it attention. Saudi Arabia and Iran, Sunni and Shiite Muslim, are sworn enemies, yet China has brokered a peace deal between them. China. But wait, there's more. Saudi Arabia is talking about settling their oil trades in the yuan, replacing the dollar. This is in spite of being allied with the U.S. And then she says, but I'm not done. Uh, continuing, there's also discussion of Saudi Arabia and Iran joining the BRICS alliance. It would be Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. Uh, then she asks this. Again, this is posted on Robbie Starbucks account. Uh, but Josie, what are the consequences of, the, of that? That would mean all of the major oil-producing countries in the world would be part of the same alliance. These countries also make up half of the global population. And I imagine there would be a level of protection safeguarding Iran from American in invasion. I mean, there's so much in here. Uh, just when I think about a really good post and uh, thought-provoking. But so few people even paid attention to what was going on with China, Iran, uh, Saudi Arabia, Russia. It's just kind of nuts. And then the BRICS countries. Listen, we need to pay attention. And by the way, uh, for people out there that enjoy Bible prophecy that think, well, China is the red dragon of Revelation chapter 13. See, China's Antichrist, that's, that's a bad interpretation there. So China's going to eventually be eliminated from the global scene, as is America. But you're watching all of this take place right now, and it should have your attention. Listen, America is not going to be around during the tribulation period. Uh, some people think it is, but man, you're going to be hard-pressed to place America anywhere during the seven-year tribulation of, uh, that Daniel writes about, the 70th week of Daniel. But we see this happening. So many other things that are going on also. We're watching the, the uh, collapse of the economy. Some people are, gonna, are saying, man, it's just going to collapse overnight. I don't think so. I think it's going to be a slow, painful death of the economy. And eventually it's going to transition into digital currency. I don't think digital currency is going to be here tomorrow. I think that there's too many things that still need, need to take place. But some of my friends say, listen, give enough crises can bring it about. Well, that's probably true. 
but we just, you know, you look at Silicon Valley Bank and then some of the other banks, and uh, now what, Credit Suisse, and now Deutsche Bank. So there's some huge things that are going on out there with the economy, all the while China, Russia, Iran, Saudi Arabia are saying, we don't want anything to do with America. In fact, we're gonna strengthen ourselves, and you have the thrown the BRICS alliance with uh, Saudi Arabia, and uh, listen, the Biden administration is one of the weakest administrations that's ever existed. It's totally woke, which we're going to get into a little bit of that in a few more minutes also, because as we get into Daniel, uh, you start to find out some of the religious issues that uh, came out of the area of Babylon. So we're going to get into that, uh, but not till we get into Daniel uh, a little bit uh, in a few more minutes. Okay, then this is from End Time Headline. Developing U.S. base in Syria under heavy attack by barrage rockets from Iranian proxy forces after retaliatory, uh, retaliatory strikes. All right, you see that? U.S. base in Syria under heavy attack by Iranian proxy forces. Iran's not afraid of the United States. Look at this one. Out of Debka file, Iranian drones and U.S. fighter jets and first ever duel over Syria. This is just uh, two days ago. You, know, you start looking at these things going, listen, it's like all of the enemies of the Western world have been emboldened uh, because of the terrible leadership that is in Washington. So while you have those things developing in the world, wars and rumors of wars, threats of bank collapse, an alliance of Saudi Arabia and Iran, now China's in the mix and Russia, got all of that other stuff going on. Uh, the, the reality of biolabs in Ukraine, and I'm not going to get into that right now. You throw all that, and then you throw this into the mix. Netanyahu to the United Nations. Some of you probably saw this the other day. I talked about it a little bit a few different times this week. Netanyahu to the UN. Construction of Third Temple will not be an obstacle to peace with the Palestinians. Wow. So even Netanyahu telling the UN about the temple coming in Jerusalem. Uh, we're not going to get anywhere near uh, the temple uh, and the things we read in Daniel chapter 9 tonight. That'll be sometime in the future. We're going to be here in Daniel chapter 2 here in just a minute. But listen, the Bible's clear. There is going to be a temple that's going to be built in Jerusalem. It's going to be in the place where the current temple mount is. Uh, it's coming. The, the, the day is going to be here. We know that from several different Bible passages, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. But this is what we're going to do right now. Uh, let's get going with Daniel chapter 2, and uh, let's look at what this is, what the end looks like, Daniel chapter 2, uh, beginning in verse 1. Y'all got your Bibles? Let's roll. Now in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar, chapter 2, verse 1 of Daniel, in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. Then the king gave the command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. Uh, so they came and they stood before the king. And the king said to them, I have had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to know the dream. Interesting. Uh, verses 1 and 2, dreams, plural. Come to verse 3, King Nebuchadnezzar says, I had a dream. So what is going on here? Well, I find the whole passage uh, rather curious, to say the least, but it helps us to get a better understanding of the king of Babylon uh, when we get a little bit more of the history. Meryl Unger puts it this way. Nebuchadnezzar's brilliant city of Babylon 
included vast fortifications, famous streets like uh, processional canals, temples, and palaces. The Ishtar Gate uh, led through the double wall of fortifications that was adorned with rows of bowls and dragons and colored enameled brick. Nebuchadnezzar's throne room was likewise adorned with enameled bricks. Uh, not far distant were the hanging gardens, which the Greeks were one of the, to the Greeks were one of the seven wonders of the world. How well the words of Daniel chapter 4, verse 30 fit this ambitious builder, where Daniel says, not going to be there for a while, in Daniel chapter 4, verse 30, is not this the great Babylon which I have built for the royal dwelling place by the might of my power and to the glory of my majesty? Into this world of pomp and protection and pride comes a message uh, from the Lord of heaven into this, this man's head in his dreams while he laid on his bed. Not by an angel or anything like that. So here, here it is, the king of Babylon and God gets into his head. I think it's kind of cool. The sleeping king is introduced to the king of kings while sleeping on his bed, uh, the king of kings, the king who never sleeps. Uh, but this is really encouraging for us. Uh, understand this. Let's just start, just think about this for just a minute. You go through a difficulty, you go through a trial, uh, could be difficult people in your life, could be a difficult situation. Listen, this is what Proverbs chapter 21, verse 1 says. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, the Lord turns it wherever he wishes. If you guys could pull that up so everybody could see it, that would be helpful. Um, let me read that again. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. Listen, look at that and remember it. When you're going through a trial, when you're going through a difficult time, um, listen, the Lord can change a person. If he can change uh, King Nebuchadnezzar's heart, which he's doing through the dreams that are coming to him and some other events that are going to happen a few chapters down, listen, he can change the heart of the person that's coming against you in your life or the situation that you are in. And when you trust in the Lord, if God doesn't change it, then you know that you're still in God's will and God is still the one who is sovereign. All right. Now, and you can have confidence knowing that you trust in the Lord. Okay, now think about this. Verses 1 and 2, we read about Nebuchadnezzar's dreams. Verse 3, Nebuchadnezzar says, I had a dream. So we have plural, and then we have singular. Is this a contradiction? Well, a couple of different possibilities would say no. One of them is Nebuchadnezzar was having all kinds of different dreams that were taking place that were troubling him. But there's one dream in particular that um, bothered him. And he's, this particular dream is the one he's going to request to know what the dream was and the interpretation of it. Or it could also mean he had the same dream over and over again. It's like on Monday night he has it, on Tuesday night he has it, on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. And then he had it three different times on Saturday night, whatever it is. There's a dream in particular that he wants to know the interpretation of. And we come to this request by the king in beginning in verse 4. It says, Then the Chaldeans, they spoke to the king in Aramaic. By the way, chapter uh, uh, 2, verse 4 through chapter 7, let me see what verse it is, uh, through verse 28 of chapter 7, Daniel writes in Aramaic. Uh, know this, Daniel didn't want to just reach Hebrew people, the Jews, 
He wanted to reach those who were part of the land of Babylon. So chapter 2, verse 4, through chapter 7, verse 28, it's all in Aramaic. It's not written in Hebrew. But verse 4 here says, Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will give you the interpretation. Okay, so you can see it right now, okay? So Nebuchadnezzar, he brings his wise men, his soothsayers, brings them all in. And he says, okay, here's what I want to know. Okay, tell us the dream. We'll tell you what you need to hear. The, king, the king's way too smart to fall for this. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, my decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, you shall be cut in pieces and your houses shall be made an ash heap. Wow. However, if you tell the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts, rewards, and great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. And they answered again and said, let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will give you its interpretation. And the king answered and said, I know for certain that you would gain time because you could see that my decision is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream, there's only one decree for you. For you have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me until the time has changed. Therefore, tell me the dream and I shall know that you can give me its interpretation. Oh, the Chaldeans answered the king and said, there's not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. Therefore, no king, lord, or ruler has ever asked such things of any magician, astrologer, or Chaldean. It is a difficult thing that the king requests, and there's no other who can tell it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. For this reason, the king was angry and very furious and gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went out, and they began killing the wise men, and they sought Daniel and his companion to kill them. This is wild. I mean, hey, if you guys don't tell me the dream and its interpretation, I'm going to have you all cut into pieces. He's furious. This dream greatly bothered him. And he knows this. He's smart. He's the king. Smart guy. He knows that anybody could make up an interpretation, right? Um, he knows anybody could do that. People come up to me uh, many times over the years and say, hey, Pastor Tom, I had this dream. Can you tell me what it means? You know, you can make up any interpretation. People say, well, my former pastor used to tell me what the dreams meant. Well, do you think maybe he was making it up? Um, but here, Nebuchadnezzar's too smart. If you guys really have insight, you will actually tell me what I dreamed. And then I know when you give me the interpretation, I know that your interpretation is true. All right. So there's a little bit of a hothead. If you don't, I'm going to cut you all into a bunch of little pieces. It's not going to be good for you. Okay, now check this out. This is rather insightful. He brings these uh, groups of people uh, before him, all of the, the, the world's wisdom of Babylon. Check out who they are. Uh, so we have the committee of the world's wisdom. Look who we got here. We have the magicians who were the fortune tellers. They told others what they knew, uh, things that no one else knew. That's what, that's what they would say. Kind of like the politicians. Well, uh, we're going to tell you things that nobody else knows, right? Um, and then there's the, another group. Uh, here, they're, in Daniel, they're known as astrologers. 
Um, but th here, it's not talking about stargazers like we think of astrologers. It's a, when you come to the English language, it's a poor translation. Astrologers would actually fall under soothsayers. We'll show that to you in just a second. But astrologers here are individuals that gave secret incantations and deep interpretations of mysteries that the average person could not know. Sometimes you'll hear a Bible teacher say, well, I see things that nobody else can know. Uh, let me tell you, oh, you couldn't know those things. God has given me special insight. You know what? That is such foolishness when you hear that kind of thing. All right. Then you have uh, sorcerers. They were also part of his wise people. Um, and the sorcerers were thought to be witch doctors. And uh, they would have used drugs and uh, would have been into occult practices. Uh, the equivalent of sorcerer here in the Old Testament, of course, this is an Aramaic. We can go to the New Testament with Revelation chapter 18, where we find the, the judgment on the world because of the sorcery that was done. Pharmakia, which applies to pharmacies and occult people practicing the occult. So they had the same thing going on back in the days of Babylon. Okay couple more categories of the people coming before uh, King Nebuchadnezzar to give him wisdom. The people he's seeking tell me the meaning of my dreams. Uh, next one would be the Chaldeans. In this context, the Chaldeans are the priests who ran the religious system of Babylon. And then the last category of the people coming before Nebuchadnezzar to tell him the meaning of his dreams would be the soothsayers. Uh, these are what uh, we would call astrologers in our day. Here, soothsayer means one who slices up the heavens. Okay, so interesting things going on here. Got these different groups of men that are coming there. And then, uh, so Nebuchadnezzar, he tells them, he says, hey, look, here's the story. You, you guys, you're supposed to give me all my counsel. You're supposed to have special insight. Here it is again. One more time, we'll go over it. Tell me my dream and the interpretation of my dream. And if you can't do that, I'm going to cut you into pieces. Now, this is kind of gross. Gleason Archer notes, he describes how, the real, how real the threat of the king was, where he says, tell me my dream or it'll cut you, uh, cut you into pieces. He said, one method in ancient times of cutting in pieces was that the victim was tied to four trees with a rope at each limb. The trees were bent inwards and tied together at the top, and then the top rope was cut, and the body was snapped into four different pieces. Uh, that is disgusting to just think about. So even with that threat, with all the pressure on, nobody could tell the king his dream. Listen, people like Nebuchadnezzar, are fascinated by psychics. They're fascinated by fortune tellers and, and palm readers and mediums and astrologers. and um, They'll tell people all kinds of things. Uh, you go into, go into a palm reader and say, if you can see everything, tell me what I had for breakfast yesterday or something like that. And just see kind of an answer you get. Uh, they could, they're not going to be able to tell you, just like these guys can't say to Nebuchadnezzar, hey, Here's what the dream is that you had. The one th here's one of the things that God can do that no other religion can do, no other God can do, can tell you the truth about what's really going on in the future. 
In fact, Isaiah chapter 46, the Bible says he tells us the end from the beginning. All of the prophecies that are in the Bible that are past have already come true, which is the perfect record to help us understand that all of the prophecies for what are still coming regarding the second coming of Christ and the millennial kingdom, they're all going to come true also. The prophecies that we have about Greece and the Roman Empire from the book of Daniel, uh, ancient Israel, uh, some of their neighbors, and so forth. We have these various prophecies and the prophecies about Jesus and his first coming. Every one of them were fulfilled exactly as the Bible says. So accurate are they that it's because of the accuracy of the prophecies in Daniel's book that people have said, no, Daniel wasn't written by this Daniel guy in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. Uh, somebody wrote Daniel after the fact because there's no way anybody could be that accurate. But God is that accurate. You can go to all the astrologers you want and all the psychics that you want and all the soothsayers you want and all the palm readers you want. Nobody can do what only God can do. And he tells us the end from the beginning. He, now with that, as it was in the days of Nebuchadnezzar, so it is in our day. And then by the time we get to the end in just a few more minutes, we're going to see what the Bible tells us is coming too. But this is just kind of a warm up. Uh, when you look at this, this is from End Time Headline. Look at this. Utah School District considers banning the Bible after a parent complained that it contained inappropriate and pornographic material. Okay, folks, you, you see that and you think, okay, you can have drag queen story hour in a school. You can take elementary kids to that. But we're going to ban the Bible. So you, you start looking at the days of Nebuchadnezzar. you got all these bizarre religious aspects there. And all trying to lead the kingdom of Babylon. But along comes Daniel. God's going to give Daniel the dream and the interpretation of the dream because there's only one God. But this is the way the world is. Like this Utah school district. Let's ban the Bible. We don't want it. Something like that happened in Arizona recently too. Uh, but then, of course, there's these kind of churches. This is in San Diego. Drag is holy. Now, if you think this is just some kind of fake news, which I wish it was, but listen, we... We live in 2023. Now we know uh, this stuff is everywhere. I watched the video of this guy. It's just insane. The, the guys, I mean, just look at this and you go, These, this is sick. This is the world that we live in, okay? Let's go a little bit further because all of this that I'm showing you right now is going to tie in before we get to the place where we're going to stop tonight with Daniel chapter 2. Uh, this is from Zero Hedge. Don't believe the hype Woke is real, and it is dangerous. Wokeism. Uh, wokeism, in a, uh, a nutshell, is really is Isaiah chapter 5. What is it, verse 20, 21? Um, Isaiah chapter 5, where Isaiah writes about the time when wrong will be right, and right will be wrong. And that's what wokeism does. It takes everything that's true, and says it's a lie, and everything that's lie and says that it's true. It goes from meat and, uh, to you can't have real meat that God has made, can't have cows, cows are dangerous. Let's make some lab meat with Bill Gates. Um, and, then, and then all of the weird, oh, men can have babies. We can't even define what a woman is. A drag is holy. Uh, God in heaven isn't holy. Uh, wokeism, so many different things, right? But listen to this, WorldNet Daily, 
Whistleblower Magazine as its title, Wokeism, America's Official State Religion. The editor says, long the world's most Christian nation, America today, is being taken over by a new official national religion, one being imposed on the entire populace by every major societal institution from government, media, and big tech to academia, entertainment, and business. Um, so think of this, in a few minutes we're going to be, because we're in Babylon, then in Revelation chapter 17, we have the, the religious, the spiritual Babylon. I want to connect all this before we're done here with Daniel, before I get to your questions. But Damon Duck comments on this, one of my favorite guys, as you know. And it seems to me that WND's editor believes the U.S. government, social media, big tech, Hollywood, large corporations, and others are imposing, forcing, or dictating their religious beliefs on America with the result that false religion is spreading in what was once the most Christian nation on earth. So he's talking about wokeism being religion, which it is, right? It's like Isaiah, turning everything on its head. Like the time of Babylon, you had the fake wise men, and then you had God working through Daniel. That's real. Continues, powerful, tyrannical unbelievers are now imposing, forcing their false religious beliefs on America. They are transforming the world into a world without God, and sadly, many church members are going along with it. Like this guy that says, drag is holy. And they're doing nothing in the church or choosing to remain silent. But it's more powerful than tyrannical unbelievers imposing their corrupt religious believers beliefs upon America and the world. They're also imposing a corrupt government upon the world against the will of multitudes. They don't believe it, but they are preparing the religious and governmental stage for the two most powerful people that will rule earth during the tribulation period, the false prophet and antichrist. Then he writes, this is not a conspiracy theory. You know what, hey, you wanna do something? Don't do it right now, but check it out. Go and do a Wikipedia search on the New World Order. Know what it will say, at least it did up until a week ago. And a friend of mine reminded me of this just the other day. It'll say it's conspiracy theory. It's not real. <laughs> I mean, the globalists are talking about the New World Order all the time. Just insane. Stuff isn't conspiracy theory. Uh, I saw a meme a couple weeks ago said the difference between a conspiracy theory and fact is about three months. Ain't that the truth? The duck writes, it is fact, and the world likely will cross the point of no return at the World Health Organization Assembly. That's coming up in May. I've been talking about that a lot here. Um, the nations will be given a period of time to put the new global laws into practice and start enforcing them. Then he writes, the apocalypse, that'd be the tribulation period, is coming, and people need to be sure that they are saved. By the way, the word apocalypse it doesn't mean cataclysmic or doomsday, as many people think. It, it means revealing or unveiling. It's going to be revealing the Lord Jesus Christ in all of his glory. And with his glory also comes judgment. And God is showing us in the book of Revelation and the other prophecies, this is what it's going to look like. Listen, this whole wokeism thing, it, it's, it's, it's all part of this. It's all part of it. Dr. Rice, I've studied and talked and written about the coming world government for more than 40 years, but something I didn't see, I didn't foresee from studying the scriptures was the 14-year transition period from 2016 to 2030. 
Um, what he's talking about is there's an agenda, oh, I forgot what it was, Agenda 21 um, from, I think it was from the 1990s uh, formed down in Brazil. Agenda 21 is basically the agenda for the 21st century. And then coming along, I believe it was 2015 or, 2000, I think it was 2015, Agenda 2030 came along and that was to target the transition of the world instead of being so broad with Agenda 21, let's get all these changes done by 2030. So Doug says uh, the, the goal was from 2016 to 2030, the transition period that would take the world uh, from more than 190 sovereign nations to a one world government. History is now more than halfway through that transition period and steadily moving toward an antichrist world government. And then he asked a simple question, listen, are you ready to meet the Lord Jesus Christ? Because everything is going exactly as has been said. And I think it's the Trilateral Commission, I think might be another group that said we are year one of the new world order. And again, Wikipedia will say, uh, there's no such thing as a new world order, just conspiracy theory. Uh, such nonsense when you start thinking about these things. Okay, the reason bringing up wokeism in the spiritual dynamic that's forming, we see in that early part of Daniel already the difference between the world's wisdom, and now we're going to start to see God working through Daniel, but also coming up, book of Revelation, the mystery Babylon. So let's get to tying all of this together, uh, but let's go here first. So we have the committee of the world's wisdom, uh, number one. Uh, the number two, we have the person filled with God's wisdom. Who's the person filled with God's wisdom? It's a no-brainer. We're in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. Then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. So remember, all the wise men of Babylon were going to be killed because they couldn't give Nebuchadnezzar his dream. And he answered and he said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree from the king so urgent? And then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. Uh, so Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Now this is good. Remember Daniel already had favor with the king. We saw that in, in chapter one. Daniel, we were also told in chapter one, he had understanding of visions and dreams. It's all coming to play. Listen, um, because of the understanding that Daniel had and the favor that he's given before the king, we have this book, we have these prophecies where we can line up the days that are coming and we can map out the puzzle pieces of the last days. In fact, if you didn't have Daniel's book, uh, we'd be a little bit lost on the revived Roman Empire, some of the things with the fourth kingdom, even the uh, new world order that is coming, the 10 kingdom uh, global system that's being set up. Uh, we'd have the book of Revelation to show us some of those things, but we wouldn't have Daniel's book to point it out first, along with many other prophecies that are in the book of Daniel, like the confirmation of the covenant of Daniel chapter nine, uh, the 70 weeks of Daniel, the 490 year period. We wouldn't have any of that. But God did this with Daniel, gave him understanding of visions and dreams, gave him favor with the king, uh, so ultimately, so we would have this work. Amazing. So Daniel went in and he asked the king to give him, a t give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. And then Daniel, verse 17, he went to his house 
and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions. The other three Hebrew young men or boys that were uh, kidnapped, they were taken um, hostage by Babylon, taken back to Babylon, separated from their families. Verse 18, that they might seek mercies from God, uh, the God of heaven, concerning the secret, be the secret of Nebuchadnezzar's dream, so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men in Babylon. So all these wise men in Babylon, they're, they're going to die unless Daniel comes up with the dream, and Daniel does. Uh, there's a, uh, uh, it's been said that crisis makes the man, but it might be more accurate that crisis reveals the man. Um, and that's where Daniel is. Crisis reveals the man. So crisis had hit the area of Babylon, and Daniel is proven to be a man who is seeking after the Lord. Note some things about the character of Daniel. Let's go through these things. Um, first of all, Daniel, chapter uh, 1, verses 8 through 21, Daniel, he pleases the Lord. We already saw that, we could tell. Um, he pleased the Lord, and as such, he had found favor with the king. Also, Daniel is patient in the Lord. We see that here, verses 14 through uh, 16. And 14 and 15, as the crisis revealed Daniel, he doesn't come to the king all panicked uh, or, or, or even you know, just whatever. What he does, he comes before the king and he says, hey, uh, king, let me trust in the Lord. Give me a little bit of time to just go back and talk to the king of kings. Um, what else do we see? We see Daniel, he prays to the Lord. Verses 17 and 18, he gets with his three friends that are there with him. He says, hey, this is what the king's going to do. If nobody can give him the dream. So let's pray to the Lord that the Lord will give us the dream and the interpretation. Now, again, this is kind of interesting because I have no doubt that Daniel would have been sweating things a little bit. He didn't want to end up like the other wise men of Babylon. So Daniel probably had a little bit of stress that was going on inside of him. Um, but still, he doesn't panic on the outside. And still, he, I have no doubt that Daniel, when he's going before the king, he doesn't understand that the things that God is going to show him about the dream and the interpretation has anything to do with the days of the 70th week of Daniel. He didn't know about that until much later in his life. Or the, the days that we're looking at right now. Daniel just would have known, hey, this guy's had a dream, and this is bad, and we're going to be cut into pieces, and I'm not liking that, but we have a God in heaven who can tell dreams and the answer. God was doing it for a purpose, and the purpose was he's ministering to Daniel, strengthening him and his friends, giving them another lesson of faith, all the while God's ultimate purpose is to express his plan. As Isaiah 46 says, he tells us the end from the beginning. Let's just get a couple of takeaways here, and then we'll start heading to the end. Uh, first takeaway is this, is the battle is won when we pray. Folks, don't forget to pray. The battle is won when we pray. And number two, God is glorified in impossible situations. Daniel's in an impossible situation. Here's the situation. What is it? It's tell me the dream and the interpretation. I mean, seriously, who in the world could actually do that? The God of heaven who reveals these things. 
Here it is, verse 19. Then the secret, God is glorified in the impossible situations. Then the secret, verse 19, was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. And look at this, verse 20, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. Listen, I'm firmly convinced that God actually put Biden into the White House. We're getting what we deserve. Just like he put Saul as the first leader over the nation of Israel. God raises up kings and he takes down kings. God put Nebuchadnezzar into place because God even had a purpose in that. Remember, he used Nebuchadnezzar to judge Judah. He used the king of Assyria to judge the northern tribes of Israel. Not that, they, not that the king of Assyria was a good man, but nevertheless, God has his purposes. He raises, uh, he removes kings and he raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. Oh, I thank you and praise you, O oh God of my fathers, for you have given me wisdom and might and have made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's demand. This is so cool. Look what Daniel does. Daniel is patient in the Lord, verses 14 through 16. Daniel prays to the Lord, verses 17 and 18. Daniel praises the Lord, uh, verses 19 through 23. Hey, can you guys put that up there? Thank you. Um, four verses in this praise. Solid, specific praise. Look what Daniel says about God in this praise. He changes, he removes, he knows, he gives, he reveals, he makes known. Daniel praises God by exalting his name even before he meets the king. He knows that without God there would be no interpretation, no wisdom, no audience with the king. In fact, there would be no kings and countries at all if God did not will, us, will it. And praise reminds all of us that without him, we can do nothing. And Daniel gives God all the credit. Okay, let's read a few more verses and then start to put all of this together. Verse 24. Therefore Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king, and I will tell the king the interpretation. Then Arioch, he quickly brought Daniel before the king, and he said thus to him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah who will make known to the king the interpretation. And the king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar. Remember, that's the Hebrew name, I mean the Babylonian name given to Daniel. Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, the secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers, they cannot declare it to the king. Verse 28, but there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. Okay, we're going to stop there. And, uh, but this is so cool. He says, okay, again, what's this dream for? 
in the latter days. So Daniel's praising God, he's thanking God. God has given me the dream. And then next week he's gonna tell him what the dream is and then he's gonna give him the interpretation. And that is where we get some wild things. That's where we find out uh, what is coming. But I, I wanna do this for just a, a minute. Start connecting some things um, all together. Ne Nebuchadnezzar's dream, it began from when, where, when he lived right on up through, you have the Medo-Persian Empire, you have the Greek Empire, you have the uh, Roman Empire, which I'm gonna talk about in a second. Then you have the New World Order, the Ten Kings, that's all coming up next week. You even have that passage in there with the iron mixed with clay. Uh, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another just as iron does not mix with clay. What is that about, about the final empire, the final global system of antichrist? It's gonna have some problems. It's gonna be interesting. Uh, that's all coming up. Uh, so you see all of that. It takes us up to where we are now, and it launches us into uh, the tribulation period. I believe that uh, these things are coming soon. I'm not a date setter, but I can tell you this. When I look at everything that we see going on uh, folks, we, we need to be ready. This dream of Nebuchadnezzar's is a preview of coming attractions. All right, so the dream, I want you to think of this, just before we go to questions. Start getting your questions ready, by the way. Be wrapped up here in just a minute. Um, the dream that Daniel will interpret is what it does. It includes the Babylonian empire of the days of Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar. It, re, it concludes with the revived Roman empire of Antichrist. Now, I'm gonna give you a little bit of extra credit. Okay, uh, in Revelation chapter 17, we read about the mystery, um, we read about this Babylon, the great, the whore, uh, this, this, this harlot system. I believe Revelation chapter 17 is talking about a religious system that has infected the world since the beginning. I don't believe chapter 17 and 18 are the same Babylon I have a lot of my colleagues that insist that they are the same Babylon. I don't believe so. Um, and various reasons. Uh, chapter 18 is very specific. It describes actual land. Uh, it, it's real, it's, it's uh, um, places. It's a real city or a real nation, a real territory. It's very literal in chapter 18, including the things that people are buying. That's where you get into the pharmacia and all of that. You get into trafficking in Revelation chapter 18. All of that is included there, right? But what's interesting, in chapter 17 of the book of Revelation, when you have the woman who rides the beast, that whole thing, the 10 kings, also talked about in Daniel and in Revelation 17, who give their power and authority to Antichrist, the beast, to rule for one hour. The 10 kings, after they are finished with this or a Babylon, the harlot, this religious system, what do they do? They destroy her, just like a prostitute, right? They, they use that prostitute for their purpose, then they're gone. Same idea with the 10 kings. They use this harlot religious, this spiritual dynamic to achieve their power, and then once they achieve the power that they needed to form their 10 kingdom system, give their power and authority to Antichrist, they do away with that religious system. Listen, I, I wanted to go into the wokeism and that stuff for just a few minutes. I believe it all ties into what's coming with Revelation chapter 17. Anybody can look and say, this is just nuts. It's turning the world upside down. 
what it is doing. Listen, these globalists know this stuff is evil. They know this stuff is bad. They know this stuff is wrong. They know that men can't have babies. But they're actually, it's, these things are being taught in schools to, there, there's enough morons out there to actually believe this stuff can happen. Um, and enough wickedness out there to say, yes, we will do anything as long as we don't have to worship God. So it's in kindergartens, it's in elementary schools, junior highs, high schools, universities, um, CRT, all these different things are out there. Everything's been flipped on its head. Why? I believe it's real simple. It's a spiritual dynamic. Just as the article from World Net Daily said and as Damon Duck had talked about, it's a spiritual dynamic. It's been around since the beginning. The dragon of old is behind all of this stuff. He's got his people on earth to bring it about. So these things are being crammed down our throats here in the Western world. I mean, Russia doesn't receive this stuff. China doesn't receive this stuff. The Islamic world doesn't receive this nonsense. South America, they, this stuff is just absolutely nonsense. Central America, this stuff is nonsense. Now here in America, it's just an absolute destruction of America, but I believe it's all about getting the 10 kings. All right, a little bit more, okay? So mystery Babylon influences uh, all of the nations of the world. Whatever, okay, go back to Babylon, Daniel chapter two. Whatever Babylon's religious system was, remember it showed you the Chaldeans, the astrologers, the soothsayers, uh, the magicians, we went through that different category, right? I want you to think of this. Whatever mystery the, the, the Babylonian religious system was is infiltrated the religions of uh, the world. Now think of this. Babylon's religious power entered the Roman Empire through the Estrakens with their secret, their secret mystery religion. The Estrakens uh, came on the scene about 900 BC, about the same time that, uh, so David was about 1000 BC, so after David, you had Solomon, and then you get down to about 900 BC. I would imagine, I'd have to look at the, my history but I'm thinking it would be around the time that the kingdom of Israel was divided between the north and the south. So about 900 BC, you have the Ostrakins. They're located in uh, what would now be known in the area of Italy, Tuscany. In fact, uh, the Romans called, uh, the Roman translation was um, uh, for them, I think it was the Tuscans. So it's the Estrakins. Uh, one, now, here's, listen to this. One of the famous Estrakins was Julius Caesar. So the Romans adopted, so Estrakins come on the scene about 900 BC. Um, it would be after the time of Daniel and Babylon, the Romans come on the scene, and then you have, so, so you just follow the timeline, right? So again, one of the famous Estrakins was Julius Caesar, who took the title Pontifex Maximus, also known as Su Supreme Pontiff. Okay. Now, when Rome fell politically in 476 AD, the bishop of Rome was Damasus, who then took the title Pontifus Maximus, and every pope since then has kept the title. Isn't that rather interesting? I mean, you start looking at these things, you go back to these, the, the weird religious stuff going on with uh, Babylon and their wise man just in that time. You can actually trace it back further to the Tower of Babel, but you see how things have come up through history, and you start looking at all of these different dynamics, and I say, man, so much to think about. But when you, let, let's do this. 
get ready to send in your questions. In fact, prep them, put the word question in all caps. Um, by the way, tomorrow, Bill Salas is going to be joining me live. And then Scott Townsend is going to be joining me live on a Tuesday. And if you're in the Seattle area, I'll be up in Seattle, I think, uh, in four weeks, uh, uh, Saturday, uh, Seattle area, Lake Stevens. I'm excited about uh, being up there. It's going to be a fantastic conference. Billy Crone, um, uh, uh, Eric, all of a sudden I'm drawing blanks on Eric. Eric Barger, I'm thinking of my friend Eric Barger. I can't even remember his last name. Uh, we're all going to be up there. It's going to be a terrific conference. Uh, you can check it out on the events page on Hope for Our Times. We're also on the app. But remember this as you guys are sending your questions. Oh, by the way, the week after that, I'll be in North Carolina. Uh, so you can check that out. Information is also for on events for that. Uh, but remember this. As we see things developing, remember the words of Jesus. Luke chapter 21. When you see these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Okay, uh, let's go to some questions. You guys ready? Ready to take some questions? Let me get them going here. Okay, I got questions coming from both YouTube and we also have them uh, coming from the app. So I am ready. Let me make sure I don't have any volume on. Uh, question, Pastor Tom, do you ever connect with Hal Lindsey? Would you be coming to Spokane, Washington? Um, Hal Lindsey, uh, I've done a lot of things with Hal Lindsey. He, he did the foreword on one of my books. But Hal's health doesn't really allow uh, much visitation. Would I come to Spokane, Washington? Listen, I'll go just about anywhere as long as it uh, uh, works out time-wise and, um, and uh, location-wise. Things make sense. Get a lot of requests. Uh, right now, we're, we're looking at, boy, we're looking at Australia. Uh, for you folks in Australia, it looks like it's going to be happening. Um, uh, out near Scottsdale, Arizona, we, there's a lot coming up. I'll, I'll list them for you guys. Uh, maybe next week I'll remember to. All right, Listright says, what is your thought on a gap between the rapture and the tribulation? How big do you think it might be? Uh, that's a good question. I'm sure it'll come up as one of the topics with Bill Salas and I tomorrow. We talk about that a lot. Bill and I both agree on the gap. In fact, we did a documentary on the gap uh, between the rapture and the tribulation. How long will it be? I, I don't know. Um, so, but this is to just keep this in mind. You guys are pretty smart. You guys already know this, but just as a reminder, what is it that marks the beginning of the tribulation period? Is it the rapture? No, it's not the rapture. You guys knew that. What marks the beginning of the tribulation is the confirmation of the covenant of Daniel chapter nine. So the rapture could take place six months before the covenant is confirmed of Daniel nine, could take place two days before the covenant of Daniel chapter 9. Could take place four years before the covenant of Daniel chapter 9. But the way we see everything going, my guess is the rapture takes place, and I don't think the gap is going to be exceptionally long. Um, I have different ideas that don't always sit well with some of my pre-tribulation rapture thinkers. Um, I believe the rapture is going to take place. The four horsemen are going to appear. And then Antichrist isn't actually, I don't think he's actually going to offer the solution uh, to this covenant with Israel until after the four horsemen. And some of you right now, are, are you insane? I know, what you, I, know, I know the names some of you guys want to call me. You're saying uh, the Antichrist is the rider on the white horse. Listen, I've been teaching Bible prophecy for a long time. 
and I know some of you guys have been studying it for a long time. Um, but with that, the, I believe the rider on the white horse certainly represents the spirit of Antichrist. But here's, I mean, there's so many different things I could point to, but here's just one. Uh, one point is if Antichrist brings in peace with the white horse, then who on earth is going to worship him? Because after that, you have the red horse, the black horse, and the pale horse. Everybody in the world say, ever since you came here, the whole world has gone to hell in a handbasket. It's never been worse than when you arrived on the scene. So I have lots of different reasons why I believe Antichrist will confirm the covenant um, uh, right after the fourth horseman of the apocalypse, lots of them. One of the reasons is because of the fifth seal. Uh, another reason is because um, where you have the illustration that Jesus gives, as it was in the days of Noah, that people would be buying and selling and building and planting and so forth. Jesus wasn't referencing the lawlessness and the evil that was going on in Noah's day. He referenced the, the good worldly things that people were doing. Uh, in in um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the Bible says, when they say peace and safety, sudden destruction will come upon them, and they shall not escape. Uh, listen, I believe we're already out of here before the people are saying, oh, we finally arrived at peace. Antichrist is going to usher in. He's going to be Mr. Fix-It. He's going to usher in. I've got answers to all of the world's problems. So anyways, I think there's a gap after the rapture and before Antichrist confirms the covenant. And I may be wrong on the timing of that. Um, but yeah, just you know, gives you guys something to think about if you... Uh, disagree with me or not. Um, let's see. Question. Can prophecies, this is from David Honeycutt, can prophecies that have happened once, can they happen twice or again? I'm not sure um, what's that referring to. Uh, maybe, David, you're thinking of something like the abomination of desolation. Uh, some people said that that happened with Antiochus Epiphanes uh, back at the time of the Maccabees. Um, and so the, the abomination of desolation, but Jesus said, and he certainly did create an abomination of desolation, but you have, you know, a couple of, a couple of centuries later, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, I think it's verse 15, he talked about the abomination of desolation still coming, and he's referring to the time when Antichrist uh, it sits in the temple uh, claiming that he is God, coordinating with Daniel chapter 9 and 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. So in that sense, you would have a prophecy, not a dual fulfillment, but one that was a projection, uh, like a, the trailer of coming attractions. The real one is the one that Jesus spoke of. So the one with Antiochus Epiphanes wasn't the real one. The real one is still to come. Um, so Luis Rodriguez says, I think Mystery Babylon is America. Bible says the nations were deceived by pharmacia, right? Isn't that the magic potion? Um, hey, Lewis, you may be right. I don't think so. I think America is going to be toast before uh, Revelation chapter 18 happens. Revelation chapter 18 appears to me to be fulfilled at the end of the tribulation period. Um, but maybe I'm wrong. I have some of my friends and colleagues that believe Revelation chapter 18, America is Babylon. I just think America is going to be gone much before that. Um, and listen, the pharmacia of Revelation chapter 18, that's a list of pro tons of different things that, that uh, judgment comes upon Babylon for. And actually, if I was arguing that America was Babylon, I would come up with a lot 
more arguments than pharmacia. I mean, there's some, there's some good arguments out there. I just don't agree with them because I think there's things that counter that. But with my friends, because I know I have some right now that want to email me and tell me I'm wrong, Listen, just hear me out, and please don't email me and tell me I'm wrong. I still read your emails. Um, but, again, I just think America is gone from the world scene soon, um, before the tribulation even begins. That's what I think, based upon what I, how I read the Bible. Revelation 18, I just don't think is fulfilled until um, later on, uh, at the end of the tribulation period. Okay. Julie says, any significance to the Bible specifying the mark of the beast goes only on the right hand or forehead as opposed to the left hand? I'm a lefty, so just curious, uh, no mark for me. Uh, yeah, uh, Revelation chapter 13, let me read it to you. Um, and this leads me to another question. The King James Bible says, in your right hand or uh, uh, not on. Okay, Revelation 13. He causes all, verse 16, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. That's Revelation 13, verse 16. Um, King, and by the way, I have a friend who, who uh, lost his right arm. So how could he be marked on his right hand? Well, I guess he has a forehead, right? Because he's still alive. But he's a believer, so I don't think he's going to be here for that. But this is interesting because the King James Bible says, receive a mark in their right head or uh, right head, right hand or forehead. So in, well, the Greek word that's used there, you can look it up in the King James, look up uh, the Greek word, it's epi, it means on or upon. And I've asked a few friends, I have some friends that are Greek scholars, why does the King James interpret this Greek word that is upon or on as in? Uh, I think all other translations, including mine, I have the New King James, uh, which is pretty similar to the King James in translation, but the New King James translates it as on, um, not in. So just curious, because I do have some friends that are also King James only, but uh, I've asked some Greek scholars, why is that? I don't know, nobody's, I mean, I've heard answers, I just haven't been real satisfied uh, with them yet. Okay, Annette Hamilton, do you think that maybe that some might know as we see the day approaching, just as Elijah clearly knew he would be caught up. Thanks for my take, taking my question. Uh, I don't think so. Jesus says no man uh, knows uh, the day or the hour, so I, I, I don't think so. I think we're going to hear a trumpet. I, I asked this question last week um, on his channel. Will anybody hear the trumpet blast at the rapture? Uh, what will we see? I think it's, I think it's going to be like this. I think it's going to be uh, very similar to um, what it was uh, with the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. With the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, what happens? He's struck by the Lord. He's on the ground. All the people around uh, Saul at that time knew something fishy was going on, but they didn't know what. And they, they weren't real sure what they were seeing. Paul could see the Lord. It was bright. He could hear the Lord. He knew exactly what the Lord was saying. I think it's probably going to be that with the rapture. Uh, we're going to hear the trumpet. We're going to hear the shout, come up here. We're going to know exactly what's going on. We're going to be transformed, 1 Corinthians 15, in the moment of, in the twinkling of an eye. Uh, the dead are going to rise. I think 
all those who are left behind, they're going to know something just happened, and they're going to know it's exceptionally dramatic. Some people that you've witnessed to that have not yet received the Lord during that time, they're going to know it happened. They're going to go, uh-oh, I just got a real uneasy feeling that my friend was just raptured in that crazy, I call him a crazy, conspiracy, nutty, tinfoil hat Christian. He was right. She was right. Listen, there's going to be a whole lot of people that are saved early on in the tribulation period. Revelation chapter 6 with the fifth seal. Uh, we also know that's not just Jews that are going to be saved during the tribulation, but the Bible tells us out of every tribe, nation, tongue, and people. So it's a reminder why we need to be, um, uh, why we need to be sharing our faith with other people. Listen, I, gotta, I can't stand any longer. I've been standing here, and I can't sit down at all. So I'm going to cut out. But thanks for your questions. If you could join me tomorrow. Uh, again, Bill Salas is with me tomorrow. Scott Townsend from uh, The Rapture Kid is going to be with me on Tuesday. I'm gonna, uh, we have uh, coming up Wednesday, I'll be all by myself I'll, taking your questions. Uh, be in Seattle, or actually Lake Stevens, in Washington, April 22. And then I'll be the following week on Friday night, I'll be in North Carolina, you can check out the events. Oh, one thing I got to tell you. Listen, if you sign up for emails from me, you guys got to check them because sometimes I leave things for you that are actually kind of a gift. So I'm just saying, you might want to open them. Uh, some, and we send out a whole lot of alerts for people who are on a wait list for Israel uh, coming up in October. Uh, a lot of people didn't open and didn't respond, but the trip is now full. So just saying, listen, we send these things out. Pay attention to your email. Uh, we actually have a purpose in sending them. You guys, so anyways, just letting you know. Okay, hey, listen, hope to see you tomorrow. Have a good night. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.